T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff, 32 minutes past the hour, liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower cleared. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. Okay, engine stop. Okay, and a defense. Post control, both autos. Engine engine command override off. Engine arm off. 413 is in. We copy you down, Eagle. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Sentinel-6A microfrylic satellite is the latest in a series of spacecraft designed to monitor and collect the most accurate data on global sea levels and to tell us how our oceans are rising in response to climate change. Here with us today to discuss this historic U.S.-European joint mission is JPL research scientist Dr. Ben Hamilton. Dr. Hamilton, thanks for joining us on Cosmic Perspective Radio. Thank you for having me. WPKN is one of the only two radio stations that are uh, members of the NASA Museum Alliance in Education, and, and I'm in the Solar System Ambassador Program. And, of course, I attended the Sentinel-6A Michael Freilich mission webcast a few weeks ago, not knowing that uh, you'd be on the show today. Uh, so thanks so much for being with us today. That's great. I'm excited to talk about the mission. We know that ocean levels have been rising. What do scientists believe is the cause? Yeah, so on global scales, there's two main drivers of sea level rise. So one is that when that heat from global warming gets trapped in our atmosphere, a lot of that gets absorbed by the ocean. So about 90% of it goes into the ocean. And when that heat gets absorbed, the ocean expands. So sea level rises. The other way that global sea level changes is by melting of ice that's on land. So like our ice sheets in Greenland and Antarctica, and then any glaciers that are found in mountains. So again, as the atmosphere warms, those uh, ice sources melt, and then that water from those, those ice sheets and glaciers flows into the ocean, again, causing sea level to rise. So those are really the two big drivers of sea level rise on global scales. How will the Sentinel-6A microfrylic satellite measure sea levels, and, and how accurate will the measurements be? So it's actually a relatively straightforward concept in terms of how the satellite is measuring sea level. What it does, it sends down a radar pulse from the satellite to the ocean, that radar pulse bounces off the surface of the ocean and travels back to the satellite. Knowing very precisely where the satellite is in space, we can then determine by timing that pulse, that travel time, how high the ocean is. So it's actually a relatively simple concept. As I said, the analog could be a, um, a policeman with a radar gun on the highway. Similar technology, although a little, obviously a little more complex, but that's the underlying principle here. And we can actually measure the height of the ocean to about a one inch accuracy. Think about the height of a quarter. So from almost a thousand miles up on orbit, 
we can see the height of the ocean to about a, a one inch accuracy. So it's pretty incredible. That is amazing accuracy. It's, it's almost kind of hard to fathom that you can measure sea levels at that, that kind of accuracy. Yeah, it's really a tremendous engineering success to be able to make this measurement. And it's really something that's developed over the course of over three decades now. As I mentioned earlier, Sentinel-6A is the latest in a series of satellites that will monitor sea levels. Now, how long have satellites been collecting this data? And uh, before satellites did, uh, was the data collected? Before we had satellites, we used what we call tide gauges. So these are things found along coastlines. They're attached to land, a measurement that's tied to the land. So we were able to measure sea level at different coastal locations around the globe with these tide gauges. One of the difficulties there is it's really hard to get a global view of what's happening. And then in locations where you don't have a tide gauge, you really don't know what's happening in terms of sea level. So satellites really give us this broad global view. And, and the first of these modern satellite altimeters was launched in 1992. So the Topex Poseidon satellite was launched in 1992. And the Sentinel-6A Michael Freilich satellite, which we're launching um, on November 21st, continues that record. So it's going to surpass three decades with the launch of the, the Sentinel-6 satellite. So it's really an incredible 30-year record, like I said, that we've been able to build up with the satellites that give us this broad global view that you didn't have previous to the satellite record. How long have we been collecting data or scientists been collecting data before the satellites? Some of the tide gauge records actually extend back into the 18th century. I mean, it's incredible how long these records have been kept in some of the European cities primarily. The longest tide gauge in the United States is in San Francisco going back to 1854. So we do have long records from tide gauges, which is great, but the number of gauges that go back that far are very, very few. With the data collected from these satellites, I believe you said since 1992, and the pre-satellite data, what do we know about sea levels? Have we seen an increase in recent years? We have. So with some different scientific studies, we're able to kind of piece out how sea level has changed globally um, back through the 20th century. And the rate of sea level rise we see during the altimeter record, during the satellite record, is about three times what we saw prior to the sea level record. So just to put some numbers on this, so from about 1900 to um, 1990, the rate of sea level change was about a millimeter per year, roughly a one millimeter per year. After that, so during the satellite record, uh, we've seen an increase to about three millimeters per year. So it's again a tripling in the rate. I mean, I think that's the important point beyond the number. We really are seeing an increase in the rate of sea level rise in, in the recent decades. So what are we looking at as far as total numbers go uh, uh, the last 30 years since satellites have been recording sea levels? Um, so it's about one and a half inches per decade, I think is maybe a better way to frame it, just to, to put a slightly bigger number on it. And those terms were approaching with this three-decade record on the order of four to five inches of global sea level rise over that time. Earlier, you had mentioned that one of the reasons why the oceans are getting warmer is because the atmosphere is being heated. What do scientists think is the cause of this heating of the atmosphere? It's really very closely connected to what we see from global warming, so increased greenhouse gases. If you go back through time in, in the 20th century, the increase we've seen in global mean sea level and global sea level really maps closely to what we see in terms of increasing greenhouse gases. So we do very closely relate this increase in sea level rise to climate change. How long will Sentinel-6A continue the process of collecting sea level data? And does NASA have any plans to extend this collection of data? Starting in 1992 with Topex Poseidon um, and then extending up, so Sentinel-6A 
which we're launching on uh, November 21st. That will get us past three decades. Um, and then there's actually a plan for Sentinel 6B in 2025, roughly, and that's going to start to get us past four decades. So it's actually really important that we continue this satellite record and, and have it keep getting longer and longer. So those difficult comparisons we make to tie gauges are not quite as necessary. We have a long record with the satellite itself, a good, consistent, long record where we can understand how sea level is changing over time. Uh, a very important mission to all of us on this Earth. You mentioned that this is the exciting mission. What excites you the most about the mission? As a scientist, I find sea level to be kind of a puzzle where you're putting different pieces together. There's different things contributing to sea level. And the satellite altimetry plays a really important role in that. So it allows us to understand how sea level is changing on global scales and also regionally. So it's those two things that play together that, uh, that are really important, the different time and space scales over which sea level varies. And the satellites play such a huge role in that. And then maybe going a step beyond that, this is really important information, not just for scientific curiosity, it's really important information for people living at the coast. So we can take our scientific understanding we gain from these satellites and then communicate those that are trying to plan for future sea level along the coast. So there's a real societal connection to what we're doing here. And I think that's something that really interests me and motivates me to keep doing this work. I live in a town that's on the shoreline. I live in Connecticut. How will this affect people on the shoreline or help them, I should say? Yeah, so I like to say that, that uh, sea level is a, a global problem. So there's global processes, but the impacts are local, right? So we're really concerned about what's happening at the coast. And there's this misconception that when ice melts or when water, ex or the ocean water expands, the sea level kind of goes up and down like a bathtub, right? So you're, it's like you're filling a bathtub, everything's equal everywhere. And that's really not the case. There's tremendous regional variability in sea level rise. So what's happening in one location is not necessarily connect, connected to sea level rise in another. So again, these satellites give us that information of what's happening on a regional level. So for Connecticut or say the Northeast of the United States, for instance, we can make a direct assessment of what sea level rise is doing there, right? And then from, from that step, we can then start to break down the processes contributing to sea level. So again, these satellites, it's the local and regional information that they give us in this broad global view that's really critical. That's interesting uh, that uh, the sea level may be different, uh, let's say, if you lived on the coast of uh, California or West Coast, than it would be on the East Coast of the United States or other places in the world. Yes, that, that example you just raised there is a really interesting one. So during the satellite record itself, sea level rise in the West Coast has actually been relatively low, a little bit lower than the global average, whereas on the East Coast, it's been tracking pretty close to the global average and a little bit uh, greater than the global average. And th this just points to some of the drivers of sea level. So there, there are what we call ocean dynamics. There's other processes that affect this, uh, this sea level to change. And there's actually also natural variability. So natural variability can impact sea level from year to year. So separating those natural variations from the long-term sea level rise that's associated with global warming, that's really important too. And that's something we're trying to do as scientists. The reason why I asked that question is that some years back on a, a big hurricane, I'm not sure remember which one it was now. Of course, it was during a full moon, and I work in a hospital. It's my, my regular job, is not as a volunteer with NASA. And uh, the local power station ha had become flooded because of the high tide, the full moon, of course, uh, affecting it. And the first time ever in history that one of these power distribution centers was flooded, and we lost power, we had to go into generator power. So this is a real issue that... Unless you live it, um, maybe not understand it. Yeah, and I think you've hit on an important point there. You can almost think of this as a, a layering, right? So you have tides, 
you have storms, you have all this stuff that's traveling on this foundation of sea level. And as we increase that foundation with long-term climate change and global warming, then those impacts from tides and storms, I mean, those, the, the, the influence becomes that much greater, right? So they're traveling over this higher baseline or foundation and can lead to flooding in situations where 100 years ago they didn't. Dr. Hamilton, thanks for taking the time from your busy schedule to be with us today. Where can our listeners learn more about and stay up to date on the Sentinel-6A microfrylic mission? For more information on the satellite mission and some of the other satellite missions as well, you can go to sealevel.jpl.nasa.gov. Dr. Hamilton, thanks so much for joining us on Cosmic Perspective Radio to discuss this very important subject and mission. Thanks again. Thanks a lot for having me and taking the time. Cosmic Perspective Radio is an Andy Paneros production.